110, which is a psalm of David, and sometimes, uh, and maybe, maybe you don't know what I mean, which is fine, but uh, sometimes this psalm is used in a way that, that I don't particularly like, which is a proof text. Um, I, I think that it actually comes uh, with good intention because Jesus himself uh, did not use it as a proof text. He used it as a question text, as a fulfillment text, as an evangelistic text. And yet uh, we see here a lot of times, uh, well, we need to talk about Jesus as priest. And you'll see in verse 4 that he's a priest about something like Melchizedek. Now let's turn to the book of Hebrews, which is where you'll also find that M word, Melchizedek. And you don't really get to see exactly what uh, David is doing as he marches through verses 1. One through seven, as a as he marches through, uh, what we need to remember is a song. It's a it's a poem of praise unto God, and, and we see some really marvelous things. And so tonight, uh, of the many, here are seven uh, that that I pray will draw our hearts and our minds unto the Lord as we turn our eyes. Of course, I hope and pray as I look out and see y'all to to family and to friends tomorrow, to good food and company. And yet, uh, we dare not let these worldly things uh, get in the way of those things that we should be most thankful for. Indeed, the Lord himself and what he's done for us. And so, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will read Psalm 110. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a season that emphasizes thankfulness in a world that seems to not be so thankful. Uh, how absurd is it that we can be thankful for a whole season? And so God, let's not let that opportunity pass, but rather let us be ones who are about the thankful business, revealing you in the process because you are so good and you give us so much. Friends and family and food, even as I mentioned, and yourself, even as I mentioned. And so, Lord, may we be drawn in thankfulness to you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Psalm 110, a psalm of David. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning. The dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. The grass withers and the flowers, they fade. But the word of God, it stands forever. Thanks be to God. Now, uh, as I mentioned, uh, seven reasons to be thankful from Psalm 110. I hope you see there are seven verses, so hopefully you know where these seven things are coming from. Let me march quickly through them, and then I'll just give you a sentence or two on all seven. So, uh, here are the seven reasons, and we can go verse by verse. Verse one, David's greater son is a reason to be thankful. Second, home base is a reason to be thankful. Third, a changed heart. 
Fourth, an unchanging promise. Fifth, God's combined power and patience. Sixth, true justice. Seventh, refreshment. Let's head back to verse 1 then so we can see these things in order. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Uh, uh, this first point is David's greater son. As you notice here, the Lord says to my Lord, there's a capital one and a lowercase one. Jesus himself references and says, listen, David is the king of Israel. Uh, he's kind of like the greatest king. Right, I'm paraphrasing at this point, of course. And as, as Jesus kind of opens up this psalm, he says, who could David or who could the Lord be talking to? The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Who, who are we talking to? How can David be talking about someone who is his Lord? And Jesus, of course, in a very offensive way, references himself. And, and we begin to see that, that there is something more than even King David. But uh, for us, we could insert whatever person we want. I don't think very many people are going to insert my name. But uh, for instance, a pastor that you really, really love, right? Pastor Jeremiah, of course. But perhaps there's another pastor. And I know for many of you, uh, as we talk, there, there are those, those pastors that, that you think, man, you know, this guy was with me at this point. And if he wasn't there, I don't know what I would have done. Or X, Y, Z, he was there. Or maybe it's not a pastor. Uh, maybe we could reach out. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's even your father or your mother. Uh, that, that one person. We say, man, this person is it for me. But there is someone greater for you. And it is the Lord. There is someone greater than David. And, and as David is writing, he's saying, yes, there's someone greater than me that I should look to. Because remember, David, just like those people that I was mentioning, whether it's a pastor, whether it's me, uh, whether it's a coach or a, fam a family friend, you know, a father, mother, whoever, they're not perfect. And they never were. David himself sinned many times. Many people died at his hand, not just his sword in battle. No, with his pen as he ruled. Many people died, and he knows that. But there is someone greater, someone uh, uh, whose hand is uh, perfectly upon us uh, to protect and to keep and to guide and to direct. David's greater son, Jesus. For this, we are thankful. Second, we have a home base. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Uh, Zion, which is Jerusalem, which is the home base of God's people. That home base, as we see uh, throughout God's word, is representative of something bigger. It's representative of the capital C church. The capital C church is up here, which is then now represented not only in Jerusalem, where there are Christians confessing the Lord Jesus, but also in all of the lowercase c churches throughout the world, of which Centennial is one. If y'all read the weekly publication, Postscripts, you'll know I just wrote on this. We see that each of the churches, as they are representative of the Lord Jesus and his body, and the fullness of which, uh, we begin to glorify Lord and move the kingdom forward, where it's not just a home base, but it's actually, as you see here, it's rule in the midst of enemies. 
It's a forward operating base. It's like we pick up our home base, which by the way is the one that's the most protected, right? And we just kind of move it and we move it right into the midst of our enemies. And it doesn't even matter because the Lord Jesus is on our side, ruling with a mighty scepter, ruling in the midst of enemies, going forth from Zion. Remember that capital Z Zion removes this worldly thought of of geographic location. Yes, Zion references Jerusalem, but, but Zion is much larger. It's the heavenly Jerusalem. It's the church. For this, we are thankful. A home base wherever we go, the church. Third, a changed heart. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning. The dew of your youth will be yours. Jesus came for something when he came the first time. He came for his people. He says so. And as he came, he accomplished the task. And now he is bringing his people home one by one. It is a group thing. But it is very individual. He calls you as he has called me. And we go with changed hearts freely towards the Lord. We confess in Jesus of our own accord. We come to church of our own accord. We obey or disobey of our own accord, right? And yet also we recognize this is a Holy Spirit gift that we come in new clothing that is not our own. Like that high priest Joshua so many years ago who was being accused by Satan himself. Look how dirty you are, man. He sinned. You're a sinner. How can you come before the Lord himself? And God says, that's okay. Give him new clothes. He's mine. Come freely to me if you can hear me. And that's what God's people with changed hearts do. We come unashamed because we know the Lord already knows us. And we know that the Lord has already paid for all of that and has given us new clothes in the Lord Jesus Christ. We come with a changed heart. Praise be to God and in holy garments. For this, we are thankful. Fourth, an unchanging promise. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, Jesus came uh, uh, humble as a baby and he grew, albeit in perfection. He grew as a man and yet this is God who, who took on human flesh, okay? And, and Jesus represents a lot of things. He represents the prophet as the prophet proclaims the word. Jesus was a great teacher and he was a great revealer of God's will. And Jesus also came as king. Uh, kings don't have to wear crowns to be kings. Their authority rests elsewhere in a divine call. Don't you just read why Queen Elizabeth is still Queen Elizabeth, right? They believe in the divine monarchy. Well, we see the true reality of that here. And yet Jesus also came as a priest. How? Jesus came to make intercession for us, that is, to mediate, that is, to stand in between God and us as one who makes sure that we don't get in trouble for all of our sin. 
And he also comes as the sacrifice, that which the priest sacrifices to cleanse us of that sin so we can stand in the presence of God. This has been, continues to be, and will be all the way until Jesus' second coming, the unchanging promise of the gospel that Jesus himself comes willingly as our mediator, as our intercessor, as our priest to stand between us and God, not to remove us from his presence, but to pull us, to tug us in, saying, you are clean because of my sacrifice for you. This is the gospel, and for it, we are very thankful. Fifth, God's combined power and patience. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. Jesus is very powerful. Jesus tells us that uh, before he went to the cross, before he saved his people, that he could call a legion of angels to wipe out all of humanity. But he didn't. He is patient because he knows that he has a people. And his love for his people is such that he is willing to wait. That, that his love is such that he is willing to defer justice that he might pull his people in from this place. And that, and that as he pulls in patience, we should not neglect the reality of his power because that day of wrath is coming. Uh, all those people who you feel like are always taking advantage of the situation, it doesn't just have to be kings. It doesn't just have to be politics. But kings and politics are an easy place to look to see the reality of corruption, right? It's just a good example. Low-hanging fruit. And we see that in the Old Testament times here, and we see it now, and it's too easy. But you see it in your life as well. Bosses, family members, friends, all of these things, all of these, all of these uh, weird and, 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 uh, uh, and, and kind of broken relationships of, of institution as well as individual. And, and as this plays out, you think, man, is this place right? And Jesus says, no, it's not. That's why I came. I'm still bringing my people in, but the day of wrath is coming. Beware, I'm coming again. Sixth. Speaking of coming, the true justice of the Lord. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. Uh, I know that corpses, uh, hey, don't put a damper on Thanksgiving, right? You know, that word can be uh, sometimes a little intense. But the reality is uh, actually something that we can give great thanks for, which is that Jesus is coming in justice. Have you been watching the news lately? What are the people crying for? in our country justice what side are you on there are sides but what what side is crying out for what everybody's crying out for the same thing justice we want justice we want justice for this we want justice for that we want justice for the injustice that we feel like wasn't justice and now this injustice caused us to need more justice 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 everyone uses the word until it sounds different than what we were saying in the first place justice but God is coming he sees all he knows all he calls all to live within the law that he has given. He has given it freely. 
He has given himself freely in his son and told us to come. He has given us new hearts if we would be ones who would bend the knee and believe that we might be in justice and not out of justice. And yet, the reality stands that for all of us who are crying justice, which is the majority of us, justice is coming one way or the other. And it will not be from us, fallible men and women. It will be from God. And we can praise God for that because that means that we're not going to screw it up. We can be confident in the reality of the justice that God meets out for it will be perfect because God is perfect. And for this, we give thanks. We rest in that. And though it takes time for us because we so desperately, desperately want justice in the moment, God calls us to be patient and calls us to the grander picture to see the movement of him in this world. Seventh and finally, refreshment. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Have you ever been, have you ever been so, so thirsty but not had any water whatsoever? Maybe like on a run or, or uh, I remember I, I was just in the airport, so I was thinking about this, but you had to dump your water out and you can't find the water and you're like, man, I just need some water or something. You know, you, you're, you're missing the water. And, and maybe you're one who doesn't like water as much. You're like, listen, I'm a Diet Coke kind of guy. Like who, you know, whatever you are, right? You know, you, you get these people, y'all are, listen, I know y'all. I see y'all out there. You know, we got some in Tennessee. Listen, I'm only sun drop. I live off of sun dry. You know, Mountain Dew is me. You know, Dr. Pat, all the, you know, listen. Even y'all know that sometimes when you are in such desperate need for a drink that when you have that sip of water, oh man, there's nothing better, right? It tastes so good. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. There is refreshment in and by and through the Lord that that only comes in and by and through the Lord. Yeah, all the sugary drinks are good. But when you are really thirsty, when you are really in need, listen, y'all, it's Thanksgiving, I know. But I also know that there's a shadow that looms over holidays like this. Some people aren't with us. Perhaps they've crossed over the veil and gone on to be with the Lord. Maybe it's many years gone. You can't just change your thought process on what the table at Thanksgiving should look like if you've been doing it for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. There's a missing piece. Maybe it's just people who are out of town. Maybe it's just frustration. Something's going on. Stress from job or stress from family or friends. That worldly stuff just doesn't cut it. But there is refreshment in the Lord. There is that sweet water, that fresh mountain spring that comes from itself. Perfect. And it's the Lord Jesus. And he offers himself freely to you. We're about to take of him in just a moment. He offers so freely the refreshment that we need so I pray that as we go to the Thanksgiving tables, as we go from here, 
as we think on these things, on, on what we can be thankful for. Maybe I end with this. What, what thankfulness or what things that you could be thankful for have, have you left unspoken? My children and I and Rebecca, we, we do this thankful turkey and he's, he's bald at first and now he looks like a peacock, right? He's got all of these feathers. But my children sometimes say, well, I'm thankful for apples and Isaac's eating an apple, right? And the next night he's eating cheese and he said, well, I'm thankful for cheese. I said, well, son, I, I don't think you quite get the exercise, but we'll write cheese down. And You know, Mary Wine, she gets on a spurt where she's like, I'm thankful for, uh, I'm thankful for dad. And we're like, oh, that's sweet. I'm thankful for mom. That's sweet. I'm thankful for Isaac. I'm thankful for Carwin. I'm thankful for, and then she just tries to, and then we're going into these cousins. I'm thinking, well, it's good to be thankful for our family. But she also missed it a little bit too. If I were to ask you, what are you thankful for? What would you say? Would it be the things that are around you or the things in sight? What you're doing this year? What you've done? Or would it be something grander and something greater? Something that undergirds and founds all of those things that it's so easy for us to say. Family, friends, food. What's the foundation of that? Why are we thankful? What is left unseen in our thankfulness? Questions to ask, even as we come to the table. Uh, let's pray quickly, and we'll sing uh, the first part of Psalm 116 before we come to the table. Let's pray together. Oh God, thank you. Thank you for seven reasons to be thankful, all founded by you. Uh, God, you are so mighty. You are so powerful. You are just. You are gracious, you are merciful, you are good, you're wise, you're loving, and you give us so much. You even gave us your son. So thank you, God. Thank you. On the night before Thanksgiving, thank you. We give thanks to you, oh God, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen.